a dancer and I'm currently based out of Los Angeles and I'm so happy that my friend Natalie reached out to me um, in order to bring me on the Educated Actors podcast because I think what they're doing, what Matthew and Carolina and Natalie are all doing essentially in an attempt to amplify Black voices is exactly what we need right now. Um, and a way of hearing unique stories and really getting down to the core of the Black experience and diaspora, um, especially involving the arts. Um, a little bit about me is I actually have a degree, a minor in theater arts. I went to Cal State Long Beach. I walked in 2014, but actually officially graduated in 2015. And while I was there, um, involved in the theater theater department, I actually majored in journalism, however. Um, But when I was involved in the theater department, um, if we're talking about um, entertainment, or the arts and the way that it involves blackness, um, there was a few times in probably the three years or two and a half years that I did that program. Um, And I, no matter if it was perfect or not, I always respected the theater department for kind of opening up a dialogue about... um, the need to diversify. And this is kind of like probably five years ago when diversity and inclusion started becoming um, more and more of a regular talk in a way that it hadn't been before. Um, So a little bit more background about me is I've acted for quite a while um, throughout high school, Um, I, in addition to getting my training, you know, at Cal State Long Beach, also used to be in Kid Street Theater. My first play that I was in was called The Grinch Who Stole Christmas, and I, that was kind of like where it all began, basically. (laughs) Um, and me getting a passion for the arts and, Um, acting and dance and dance was later on introduced to me and I'm pursuing that um, a lot more now. I actually, after graduating from Cal State Long Beach, um, decided to pursue... I decided to pursue dance more heavily and that led me to moving out to the valley. I felt like there was a time where... um, I was, like, commuting back and forth from, like, Long Beach and up to North Hollywood because a lot of the studios are up there, dance studios, acting studios, acting classes, um, 
everything that was up there. And I was like making this major commute like four to five days a week and just decided to eventually transition up there um, as a resident as well. But I do miss Long Beach so much. Um, And I started pursuing dance like a lot. And keeping up with acting and taking classes and whatnot, I eventually found representation for commercial and dance. Um, I ended up just crashing randomly because you hear about these auditions from friends um, and whatnot. And that was how I kind of got into a lot of uh, ways of being seen without being represented and finding out about auditions that you would normally hear about through LA casting. Um, and I ended up booking a commercial fashion gig, which was like a modeling gig that actually that catapulted me and kind of was like the catalyst that got me into getting an agent and it's kind of opened the world for me in terms of being able to be in the room and being able to essentially be kind of like thrusted into what I've always wanted to do. And it kind of feels like a new, (laughs) the beginning of like a new journey with that, because like you get the representation that you've always wanted to get and you move to LA and you get the headshots and then you're kind of like, okay, what's next? You got to keep it moving. You got to, you got to network. You got to like really start branding yourself because I feel like that's important as well. Um, But anyways, that is (laughs) just a little bit on my background. And I'm still pursuing dance as we speak. Things have, things have really, things have really, really slowed down since uh, COVID-19 and uh, the lockdown of a lot of things. A lot of things are closed. And right now, as we speak, they're opening, but then I'm sure they're going to close again because people don't know how to act. (laughs) People are out here and not taking it serious. And, um, and it's kind of like unfortunate because the industry as a whole has been shut down, which was the reason why I moved to North Hollywood, like so many others moved um, there as well, because it's just kind of like, um, I feel like if we weren't living, I mean, if we weren't there for auditions or opportunities, it's kind of like, why kind of be there essentially? Um, But I've been there and waiting for things to open back up and studios are opening back up. I've gotten audition notifications. Still a little bit uneasy about auditioning back in a public setting, even with precautions. Um, But honestly, I would, this is what I kind of want to do. So I don't know if this is going to be a new norm. Um, I don't know if auditions are going to reshut down again. Um, there's, there's a lot to be discussed and that makes me want to transition into the topic that I wanted to talk about was basically the fact of 
Black Lives Matter being the catalyst to um, talking about, um, first of all, foundationally speaking, defunding the police and police reform um, and really, really having that dialogue. And sometimes I feel like because of escapism, we oftentimes forget that that is the ultimate goal is basically we're asking police officers um, not to be brutally murdering innocent people in in the streets, innocent people that oftentimes so happen to be black. And it's kind of like, okay, we are literally asking for you guys to, <laughs> for for everyone to see that us asking for our humanity is like literally like getting a C on a report card. Like it's like average. It's kind of like not even asking for too much. And I feel like, um, there's a lot going on in terms of like indifference and you would think it wouldn't be this difficult to, to basically ask for what, uh, essentially would be equal rights. And, I think that there is a lot going on in terms of reflection off of the entertainment industry as someone who is still being sent on commercial acting gigs and dance gigs at the same time. I kind of see both realms. And I do have to say that I commend a lot of what's going on. Um... And a lot of it, you would think, from my standpoint, is kind of like, well, this is random as fuck because a lot of these shows and stuff, um, I'm I'm talking about the fact that, like, uh, in the entertainment industry, the commercial industry, a lot of these established shows that are still streaming or um, popular shows from back in the day, uh, Golden Girls, um for example, like had a sh- uh, one of their episodes pulled where apparently they were wearing some type of blackface, which was um, in detail them wearing some type of mud mask and kind of like, okay, you took away an episode and Golden Girls aired like 33 years ago, but like, okay, number one, Splash Mountain, um, is removing a lot of their imagery from their ride and in an attempt to kind of correct um, wrongs that have been talked about for years. And not just that, um, in terms of just overall in the industry, you even see it on the side of anime um, there are a couple of shows that basically, <laughs> I mean, I didn't even like realize this personally. So I'm like learning, growing and becoming more aware as I go along, just like everyone else, even as an African-American. But the issue of shows such as Big Mouth, which the voice of Missy Foreman Greenwald is voiced by Jenny Slate or Cleveland, where we're using um, a actor, a white actor named, you know, Mike Henry, is kind of like, it goes into the foundational speaking of just the fact of 
there needs to be an open dialogue in terms of if we are going to actually amplify Black voices to listen to Black voices. Because we've been saying this shit has been an issue for years. Not even just the overall arcing thing of, or theme of being uh, of Black Lives Matter and police brutality. If we're just talking about entertainment and in the entertainment industry, we've been talking about wanting to have diversity as African Americans and inclusion for years in a way that ref- not only reflects our community in a positive way, but that puts diversity into the room, whether it be women, people of color, trans people, any anyone that is intersectional, especially, you know, like, um, I feel like we've been talking about that for years. And uh, another one of our concerns is just the lack of work for Black actors who are oftentimes, so many times, most times, just as talented as their white parts, but severely underpaid and underappreciated. And it's crazy because when you think about it, (laughs) there's been white actors who have even gotten work for playing Black anime roles. I just mentioned two shows right now, Cleveland and Big Mouth. And if we're asking as Black actors, um, Black creatives, for more opportunities and more work, you would think that they, they would be able to do something like that, at least on an anime level. If we're asking for more work and you're providing white actors with Black roles, that's like a prime example right there, in my opinion on the need to to change. But also at the root of it, um, I questioned who was in those decision-making rooms that had the power to kind of cast these roles. Um, and whether that be casting directors, directors, anyone who would be of power, I also encourage to have... Uh, diversity and inclusion within those roles as well because I feel like if that was the case that would have never happened if that if there was true diversity and inclusion within the room I highly doubt, doubt that there would be white actors cast and black roles in um, really really popular cartoon animated shows and I personally feel like it makes, it brings up this point of kind of like this cancel culture and the need to, the need to encourage everyone who is of color right now to speak up and speak out and have an open dialogue But the thing is, like, we've been trying to have this open dialogue for years, as I was saying before. So it gets sometimes, like, a little bit tiring when, like, for me, from my perspective anyways, of seeing these efforts and kind of realizing that, like, once again, I feel like the mark is kind of being missed um, from statues across the nation being taken down to Confederate flags that are being taken down, to streaming services, like I was saying, in the entertainment industry, um, 
kind of trying to erase some of its like ugly past and maybe acknowledgement from the entertainment industry that a lot of stereotypes from minstrel shows back in the day um, still carry out till this day. Long-term effects from like well over a hundred years ago (laughs) that is like still takes place till this day, which is just, it's crazy to me. A lot of stereotypes that exist about black people um, and other people of color. And it's really unfortunate because now with the whole cancel culture going on in the entertainment realm, you get these kind of complex yet beautiful stories where a good situation happened out of a really shitty situation in the entertainment industry. If we're talking about um, other things being taken down and the fact that HBO Max um, took Gone with the Wind off of its streaming services, it's kind of like this complicated, beautiful history that we all have to acknowledge um, at some point that, yes, this still happened. We cannot take away the fact that fucking slavery and the transatlantic uh, genocide happened. What we can do is really have a dialogue about it, really talk about it in a productive way, and bring it up so often that it becomes normalized and not an uncomfortable conversation. If we're talking about Gone with the Wind... And we're talking about the movie's overall kind of like problematic um, standpoint when it comes to Black people and a lot of stereotypes. And even the uh, actress, Hattie Hattie McDaniel, sorry, (laughs) um, who at the time was a millionaire who was playing this kind of dumbed down Hollywood stereotype that still exists in a lot of movies to this day, that may not be as offensive, but you still see um, black people playing maids or uh, workers. Uh, back then, they were called mammies. And kind of like this stereotype of the black maid being created. And um, in addition to that, other stereotypes throughout the movie, which are extremely problematic. And just the fact that they took it down um, without really, really considering um, the kind of beauty within that, I could tell, once again, they're not really consulting a diverse or inclusive team when it comes to stuff like that. If I was on that team and I was deciding... Hey, are we going to keep it up? Or are we going to take it down? What are we going to do? Obviously, you want to... It's all about, like, people are being genuine, but you also have to consider that these are huge corporations and consumerism and uh, America has proved itself, especially, in my opinion, during this whole COVID-19 situation of... Um, not really putting its people first, the American people, whether they're white, black, Latino, you know, like Asian, anything, anything is, has proven that the government does not give a fuck about us <laughs> during COVID-19. And I really do feel like going back to 
the whole Hattie McDaniel situation is even she was treated like shit um, the night of her winning her Oscar. Her not being allowed in the building and only being allowed and being bought through the back once she won. And her speech was pre-written by the studio. Not because she didn't know how to read or write, but because they didn't want her to say the wrong thing in terms of speaking out against what the fuck had just happened to her and her experience. She just won a fucking Oscar. (laughs) Like... It's crazy. And you think about the the fact that the movie came out in 1939 and they realized that was really not that long ago. There's people still alive from that era that are alive and kicking and running and <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like people are still alive from that era. And it's crazy because there was an admittance from the director of even promotional stuff having black people on it. So apparently, me finding out information about this, like, recently, of black soldiers being admitted off the poster board or off of promotion or anything like that just goes to show that there was still discrimination going on um, to the actors who acted in that movie who so happened to be black. Um... But the beauty out of that situation is that she is our first Black woman Oscar winner. And sometimes the ugliest situations bring beautiful results, unfortunately. And America proves that over and over again. Like, when you think about it, like, Black people and Black people who per, uh, who show perseverance, and especially in the industry, when you're talking about, like, odds oftentimes stacked up against you, is that we are almost like concrete roses, like this beautiful thing that comes out of this unexpected situation, unexpected, complicated, and oftentimes, like, you look at a rose coming out from concrete and like, how did you get here? (laughs) Um, But basically, I feel like we still have so much to do as a nation. And I don't want to necessarily, um, with things opening back up, get back into this mode of escapism. Because escapism is a real thing that um, kind of is there oftentimes to distract. And rightfully so. I mean, we have to look for our joy in these types of situations. And you can't be uh, protesting, signing petitions, donating 24 hours a day, right? And I think that we have to find our joy in any situation. And um, I do look at a lot of what's going on within the entertainment industry to bring it back to that as um, cool things that are happening to dismantle what people of color have been complaining about in the entertainment industry for years now. Um, But it still does not 
It does not negate the fact that we are simply like focused on defunding the police and stopping police brutality, specifically when it comes to black and brown lives and all black and brown lives matter. Okay. And I feel like when it comes to entertainment, I'm happy and appreciative that everyone is, well, not everyone. I would say a lot of people are coming forward and trying to be aware um, at this point. And I think that that is the beauty and the situation and looking at the silver lining. Um, I feel like when you even think about certain things that happened. And I know that Natalie and Matthew were probably in the theater department then, but I remember certain things happening to uh, actors of color and us not necessarily feeling included. I remember when the Color Museum, um, the thought of implementing that as like a the next year's uh, Players Theater, I believe, plays. Um, And we were talking about um, the idea of diversity and inclusion back then. And a lot of people who didn't necessarily realize that the people who were brown and black auditioning for these roles that that were specifically made for us didn't have a lot of those opportunities regularly to audition. Um, I was appreciative of the fact that there was a a role that I really, really liked in the Color Museum that included LGBTQIA. And basically, um, me being a feminine presenting man almost made me feel like I was being included in that moment and not feeling like I had to like butch it up in order to play a a straight man or a man with a family or whatever the case may be that I was auditioning to prior to Color Museum even coming to our school. But I remember a lot of non-black students complaining out loud and making it known that they felt uncomfortable because they want something that they can audition for and where's their audition and kind of like a prime example of privilege in a way because most of the stuff was made or most like not even just stuff that was like organically like created um or worked as a show there where there was like um a show, I, all all the shows there prior that I remember were all designed and auditioned and had mostly white cast. And those were the shows that I saw personally. So I felt like them bringing the Color Museum to um, Cal State Long Beach to the theater department like made a big statement. But I do remember there being a meeting and a lot of people showing up to that meeting. And the reason why I'm going to end the conversation with 
speaking up and speaking out, which is like what I'm happy you guys are doing in terms of like attempting to amplify black voices on your platform is the fact that there were so many people who were silent during that time. And I hope that we can all learn that silence is oftentimes worse than anything else because our allies that agreed who some probably showed up, but some supported outside by um, and they didn't come, but they supported with their voice or gave their opinion about the situation in a productive way. Um, but the silence kind of said everything. I remember being at that meeting and um, there was a young lady who his name is Jay Dent. And um, I felt like she had expressed a lot of things in terms of uh, points that were coming from a place of validity. And I felt like this young lady was oftentimes misunderstood or pushed to the side or called things um, like really like not like she was uh, virtually harassed in a lot of ways. But because even when it come, came to her production, I remember being involved in and they were ripping down like behind her back posters and all types of stuff of her promoting her work around the department. I remember that. And it's crazy because... It's kind of like, these are the reasons why I feel like right now, the amplification of Black voices, it needs to happen. It needs to happen. Um, It needs to happen in our industry and kind of trickle out because a lot of these stereotypes um, about uh, the most most horrible things that you could think of Black people or brown people or... Um, any minority was created in our industry and perpetuated out, um, not just to Hollywood, but the world, because Hollywood leads this. Um, and I think that it's time for change. So thank you all so much. And thank you to Nad and Matthew and Carolina for providing this platform. Peace and love.